Welcome to Kindred, hosted by me, Kate, and my sister, Jen. In this podcast, we explore our human relationship to the natural world. In connecting to this planet, we also connect to understanding, compassion, and empathy. How can we see ourselves not as separate or above animals in nature, but a critical and integrated part of an active ecosystem? Through conversations with animal advocates, scientists, conservationists, and many others, we look to inspire a new awareness of how and why we connect to animals and nature in order to repair and restore our relationship to the natural world. Hello and welcome back to Kindred and part two with Monica Gagliano. If you haven't listened to part one, I strongly recommend you go back and catch up. And now back to part two. See you for the takeaway. So I just want to read a a paragraph out of your book. Um, It's called Thus Spoke the Plant, A Remarkable Journey of Groundbreaking Scientific Discoveries and Personal Encounters with Plants. And I just want to read this and um, just bear with me for a second. You say... I felt so naive and at the same time so hideously parochial about the fact that my beliefs and my perce- and perceptions of the world were tinted by the stinky old anthropocentric bias despite the amazing experiences I'd had that had taught me otherwise. How little do we truly know of our nature and the nature of those around us, human and non-human. We keep writing books about books that debate ideas of ideas about the fundamental processes of life such as learning and remembering, which are found everywhere and all around us. Processes that are self-perpetuating and self-controlling with or without our ideas of them, stories about them and debates over them. The case of Mimosa, the case of Mimosa's learning is simply a no-brainer. Appreciating what Mimosa had accomplished requires no cerebral assumption to be applied, but rather the surrender of prejudices and biases that filter everything new we learn through the views we already hold. And I, I, I absolutely love that. And it, it makes me think of the, you know, people who want to make all things human also with human characteristics or feelings in order to find a connection, right? And then, then they can care and have empathy. And the idea that if they are not like us, then I can't relate and I don't understand them. So I wanted to talk about anthropomorphizing plants and what depths of understanding and connection do we gain or lose to them and us by doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, so the answer, I guess, for me is uh, paradoxical. <laughs> And that's a good start. It's already a good place uh, yeah. for me. Many might find the, the the space of paradox very uncomfortable because it is uh, yeah. by nature, and and they might not want to sit there. But I think that it's a useful practice. So yeah. what I'm about to say is gonna contradict itself, but that's okay. And I'm doing it, you know, consciously. <laughs> so yeah. on one side. I agree that um, anthropomorphizing the other, it doesn't have to be just plants, it's a right. useful exercise in the sense that 
it does allow us to empathize with this other. And uh, we find very easy, we, we find empathy easy with organisms that are similar to us. Um, and if they go eyes, mm -hmm. and if they smile, mm -hmm. uh, if right. they move, right. if they go legs of some kind, uh, that's and, right. You know, you know there are elements that we literally like phys physical elements that we recognize as like, oh, that's just like us. So if my yeah. if I'm smiling, you're smiling, you know, and I call that smiling, even if you, maybe you're actually showing your teeth to tell me to go away, you know. <laughs> and uh, so anthropomorphizing can become very dangerous if you are in the field and you're not reading the signals right. But but it does allow at least uh, conceptually, it does allow a part of us to empathize with what we find difficult to empathize with because it doesn't have those characteristics that we find easy, uh, easily recognizing ourselves. And plants, right. in a way, they are alien to us, you know, because they really, they, right. what is it? Where They don't have eyes, ears, and noses, and legs like we do. And uh, yeah. and we are obsessed with ourselves, but that's fair enough. It's like, that's really <laughs> what we know. We yeah. know, I know me, and barely. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, right. spending a lifetime to know you, and then, uh, let alone knowing the other, you know. So, right. I don't like I don't find that um I think it's useful because in a way it just tells the story of like we only have our human perspective. We are humans. Yeah. And as a human, I only have this human perspective of life because that's what I am. Right. If uh, next time I come as a dog, I will have the dog perspective. And maybe I've done all sorts of perspectives throughout my incarnations, if I believe in that. So, right. but if for this life, I'm, as a human, I have the human uh, filter to go through. And so how do I use that filter the best way possible? And I think anthropomorphizing might allows us to do that. But, <laughs> and here is the paradox. Anthropomorphizing also means that I still see myself as the center of the universe and I'm the most important thing and everything needs to be measured according to me. Mm -hmm. And right. of course, uh, because I only know really my own uh, experience of what life is as the human, uh, what else can I do? You know, I think right. that what we can do and over the, over the millennia we have done as humans is to transcend that. And transcend that doesn't mean that, um, you know, you need to become like a Buddha enlightened or a Jesus Christ or anything like that. but. We can transcend that by spending time with. And when we do, and we all know this, because actually it's a space that really deeply relaxes us and nurtures us. When we do, and it can be anything, it can be, you know, you go to the ocean, you go to a forest. You don't even have to be like consciously aware, like, I'm going to spend time with this one tree, you know, <laughs> uh, just being connected to the nature that is beyond the, the human shape uh, allows us to find a space that is very nurturing because it reminds us, even if it's unconscious, is reminding us that we are that nature. And when yeah. you enter that space, there is no need to anthropomorphize because you have already transcended the boundary that makes you the human only, and you are 
an expanded version of of yourself as the self not as the human self mm-hmm. and uh and in that space then you if you practice enough you can apply it also in small details so then you can sit with a tree and just be with that tree and even become the tree for a while because you already are the tree mm-hmm. and the tree is already you and fundamentally what what i think the and it's a is a conceptual thing we are co- considering our system the human body in particular uh, although it's obviously again not what the evidence of every day every moment shows but we are thinking of the system as a closed system we think that the the skin is closed and we think that there's the me inside and all of that but we are we're not closed obviously <laughs> the right. skin is not closed mm-hmm. everything is porous but you see if you subscribe and we have for the last few centuries if we subscribe to a vision of the human as closed then you are you are separate from the the other stuff that is outside you <laughs> that's right and so then of course you feel like i can't connect with that and the only way i can connect with that is by stretching myself and the idea that i have of myself and putting it onto someone else and that you anthropomorphize and that's fine mm-hmm. but what yeah. what this is asking is like uh don't worry so much about anthropomorphizing don't even worry so much about the other worry about the fact that you have a misconception of yourself that you think you're a closed system and you're absolutely not mm. and then right. and you can and it's so easy because you can just you know the breath is the first thing that you can use it's like you know if you're close stop breathing then and if you can't stop breathing then who is breathing you (laughs) right exactly and you see the the flow it's everywhere and suddenly you you it's easy this boundary it's easy to to transcend but the mental conditioning that it's very useful for you know it's been useful for the last 200 years to create the science that we know to create the technology that we know to create the world as we know it Right. which is not doing very well because he's suffocating onto himself because he pretends to be close when he's actually not. Mm. Right. So, um, yeah. And it, it makes me think of like just the actual physical, literal experience of trees are literally breathing us. That's right. Trees are breathing us in the ocean, right? But in the context of the tree, yep. and it just hit me, I was telling Jen the other day how how do we not walk around like with ornamenting ourselves with the the image of a tree why do we not worship the tree because it literally is breathing us from the outside and the inside and what else the thought is what else is it giving me as well as air what else is coming into my body that then how am i separate from the tree how can i be separate from the tree because it literally is breathing me in and out. That's yeah. right. So yeah, and, and you're not like when we can expand that perception of ourselves too, and sort of soften our edges, then nothing is as scary, and we don't feel separate. And that it literally expanding our mind expands our bodies. You know, That's right. Th- those That's those right. those those um hard edges or what like you said the closed system is much more porous it's very cool that's a beautiful uh way to say it actually how you said that yeah and you know it's very yeah. simple if people find it too woo woo to think about oh the breath you know oh that's what the yoga tradition or whatever <laughs> fine fine 
You know, you don't have to worry about your breath. Don't worry about that. It's okay. <laughs> but then, you know, there is another thing that we do all day, like most days, at least most of us do, and it's eating. Mm-hmm. And that eating, what are you eating? You know, what is it that you're literally putting in? Right. That's right. So, like, for example, I'm vegan. I'm pretty much like I only eat plants. <laughs> so right. I know that I am more plant than ever before. And um, and literally, I am taking this other body, other shape, and inserting it into this body and this shape. And then, as we know, that food, that fuel, rebuilds what I call my body because it's changing and rebuilding all my cells, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. I am literally made of plants, by plants, yep. of plants, for mm-hmm. plants, <laughs> you know? So, yes. and the, I, I guess um, what what is missing in this link that we need to be careful about, the breath is very easy to see, the food may be not so easy these days, but, um, you know, we are fed and, and and they're breathing us, but we are also breathing and feeding them. So, because right. otherwise it's an upside down mm-hmm. anthropocentric view. Like, oh, yes. first we are the evil guys that are, you know, not caring for everyone else and we are at the center of the universe. Then we put ourselves, oh, we are at the bottom of the scales. Everyone is breathing us and supporting us. And, you know, it's the same story, really. Like, we are always at the center. Mm. And the point yeah. is to decentralize us because we are just part of the system. Like, mm-hmm. uh, we are not right. better or worse. We are just what we are. And everyone else is just what they are and they should be honored and revered uh, revered for what they are, not for lesser or better. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. so, you know, the trees breathe us and we breathe them. Exactly. Absolutely. And, you know, it makes me think of my next question. Um, I, I, the, the history of the disconnect Mm -hmm. when, did and I've been thinking a lot about this in this podcast is when did me as the the white woman living in this place right now going back all of this time and I kept going back and back and back when did I lose this deep connection and deep understanding that I must have had at some point right was it 500 years ago was it a a thousand years ago and then your book mentions Aristotle Mm -hmm. So can you give us like a sort of brief little rundown of what I'm talking about? Like, tell us about Aristotle for a minute and the the potential that he created for this deep disconnect. Was this the beginning? I, I mean, Aristotle was um, a philosopher and uh, and we we're talking about ancient Greece and uh, and he um, was just pondering like everyone else. And I mean... We probably owe Aristotle all our way of thinking and knowing, but he also owes that to others before him. And Parmenides was another philosopher before him who basically was the foundation of all the others that followed him. And Aristotle is the child of, you know, and we are the child of. And uh, Aristotle was the one that one morning, uh, this is how I see it, like one morning he must have got up with the wrong foot and he just uh, decided, you know what, I'm going to classify animal, plants and humans. And he created this hierarchy of, you know, needs in a way 
for life. And of course, the human is at the top and he's the one that is, um, you know, the intelligent being. And then there is the animal which has movement and therefore, and of course, you can see like uh, suddenly we are not the animal anymore, but we are. Right. Yeah. Right. So we yeah. already like that. There's the human as a something else and then the animals, you know. And then, yeah. of course, like, uh, you know, you go further down. So the animal is the one that is reacting to the environment. And then you go further down the scale or the pyramid and you find the plants and the plants are just there to reproduce and to be pretty and make flowers. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like uh, there is no sentience there. The plants are right. not sensitive. You know, they don't feel anything anymore, like in that context. The, the animals are the ones that are feeling mm -hmm. and we are the ones that they are thinking basically these right. these uh you know very basic and i'm not a philosopher so i'm sure that if philosophers are listening and be like oh my god you know she's so oversimplifying i understand that <laughs> yeah the, the, to me that is a very clear sign of what then you know it was a seed there was it was just an idea it wasn't it didn't prove it right or wrong or anything it was just like this is what i think and yet we yeah. have taken there and it became, you wait, you know, two millennia and it becomes the standard of our science mm -hmm. and, right. and our view. And yeah. I recently, and you know, of course, we are in a very Cartesian system still. And although that's changing very rapidly, I think, and it's a good sign. <laughs> and uh, yeah. recently I was talking to a friend of mine, a French friend of mine, and, and we were talking about the mind and cognition and stuff and and she said to me do you know what is really interesting that in french we don't have a word for mind we like mind would be translated as esprit which is spirit oh, mm -hmm. so yeah. mind and spirit are the same word so i thought oh, oh wait a second so do you know the card when he was talking about cognito so the mind ergo soon uh i think therefore i am well, maybe it didn't right. mean I think I am spirit, therefore I am. Wow. Because <laughs> he was French. Mm. <laughs> and uh, so I like to rewrite that this way. Oh, wow. And then, wow. can you imagine though, if that was translated as I am spirit, yes. therefore I am? What kind of That's society right. and civilization we would be? Yeah, very different. Absolutely. Yeah. And there is no reason why we shouldn't write it that way. I mean, like, even if the card didn't mean it that way, it's like, why can we not write it that way now? Because I think that right. we need oh, that. Sorry. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's so fascinating. And it's like, you know, it's like the, the you know, translating, translating Latin, right? It's like, what is it really saying? There's a couple of different ways you can spin things. So I just thought that was fascinating. And it was the first kind of time I was like, aha, this is like, whether Aristotle meant to set a course or not, it was set. And um, it's it's still very much alive today. And us humans were like, aha, we're on top. And that yeah. felt comfortable and good for us. Well, um, it means also that uh, the power of an, an idea. Yes, absolutely. But we are absolutely. idea creators and storytellers. We have always been. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, oh, Aristotle did it. Oh, dear, that's it. Too late. <laughs> You know, now we're stuck with okay. this. No, yeah. what it means is like that it's enough one powerful idea and the game is over. We change the story and this entire place is a different story. So even, you know, right. I know that there is uh, a lot of um, despair and a lot of, uh, 
dread even in the world at the moment like people are feeling hopeless and people are feeling like i don't know what to do climate change and blah blah disaster 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 i mean i'm not uh, minimizing that there is a there is an issue here <laughs> we have an elephant a big elephant in the room but right. um at the same time we can tell the story that we want the future to be and at the moment we're telling considering how powerful the stories and the ideas that we put uh, and we set in motions are we're telling constantly this story of disaster it's like right okay until we don't we don't we can't tell any more stories we should we should tell the stories of what we want the future to be a hundred percent you're so right yeah and so no more yeah. disaster stories we are all aware okay we you know we created yes. a situation that is not optimal for more for, right. for most of us including mm -hmm. not just us as humans but like most of the species on this planet mm -hmm. and okay right. acknowledge that now instead right. of repeating that story and make and give it power to that story it becomes more and more because then that's how we materialize things i mean mm -hmm. aristotle was just waking up one morning and came up with this idea mm -hmm. and then he got repeated yeah. enough time that now we believe that to be true but it's not right so we materialize yeah. this so in the same way we are materializing a future that we don't want mm -hmm. so we Absolutely. need to start telling good stories and, right. and give power to ideas and when right. people tells you oh you're just being naive or you're being romantic it's mm -hmm. like uh, i don't care you can call me whatever you like at the end right. is what is the story that survive or doesn't that makes the difference and i like to tell yep. a story that is about thriving not even survival mm -hmm. thriving right. and it, where the human is actually using this opportunity to really transcend itself transcend all ideas these ideas are like millennia old and we're done with that yeah exactly instead of that we're all careening toward the edge of a cliff that's right let's stay here and connect with where we are in in our own backyards in our own forests and you know that makes me think of two like just sort of ending this with is there anything could you give us well let me start again i think part of understanding our understanding in the with this podcast is that people in general operate outside of the natural world like we're talking about right we are disconnected to the ecosystems we actually operate in can you give us an example of you know when i walk outside into my yard and into you know the forest that i experience and my garden what are plants offering us other than the beautiful rose or the the soft green grass or is is there is what can we see in our own lives that plants are offering us on a daily basis mm -hmm. Well, there are two things actually here. One is um, if we see ourselves as an apex predator, then we'd have to take that responsibility seriously. Uh, apex predators are the ones that uh, basically uh, have the leadership and the responsibility to make sure that everything remains in good balance. And when you remove them, the, you know, the balance gets disturbed and everything goes a bit strange. So apex predators are really important in every ecological systems. That responsibility, it's important. And we haven't taken that seriously. Mm. Because what I said is that epic predators are responsible for the balance of the system. They don't take it, they don't ravage it, they don't, you know, that is real leadership. 
you serve yeah. the system. So if yeah. we are apex predator, we need to start serving. We need a new leadership. We need to start serving the, the system, serving the community, the wider community, not just human, which means right. that the, the needs and what is required to maintain the balance of the community comes before everything, including your own life, because that's what an apex predator does. That's what a leader does. Right. Instead, we have as leadership, we have these, uh, you know, half-baked, you know, people who are not apex predators. They're just predators. Mm. Right. And so they're going in as predators without taking the responsibility of what it means to be at the at the peak of that system that requires that, you know you've been placed there and it requires your your care yeah. mm -hmm. yeah. right right so that's one thing and in that context then you can be the apex predator of your own environment whatever that is and what it means is that you can be the caretaker the custodian uh, the the one that literally uh, cares for that space and you should give your life for, for, for any one of those that are under your care. And this is not yeah, just wow. your children, but it's like all of the ones that are under your care are your children and are your responsibility. Mm -hmm. So if someone is trying to, you know, poison the land, that's your responsibility. If someone is trying to cut more tree, that is your responsibility. And it, your responsibility is to teach and let the other understand why. That's not acceptable. And this actually links back to very much what many of indigenous cultures have done for millennia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Someone that goes off and, you know, the punishment here in Australia, I know that the punishment when people broke the rules were quite severe. And the reason why is because, again, the community and the balance is more important than the individual. And so you must make sure that that individual really understand that that behavior is absolutely not acceptable. Mm -hmm. And if you carry on, right. you will need to be removed. And I'm not for the, the, the death penalty, you know, but right. they, no, like, that these responsibilities way too big because when you scale it up to the world scale, you see what happens when the responsibility is not taken. You risk yeah. to damage and kill everything. Mm -hmm. So you need to be removed. You're, you're, you're not fit for the environment. Right. So if we take this responsibility seriously, then each one of us can take responsibility for the space where we are in. Yeah. And telling the right stories is important in that space because we want to move forward with everyone. Otherwise, we create right. new separations. So those ones That's that right. are actually, um, at least apparently, presumably causing most trouble, they're the one that we really need to engage and show them, you know, show them like come and sit in the garden and come yeah. and connect and come and breathe and come and realize what it is that you're actually doing as a living entity in this system. Because and tell new stories. That's right. True new stories. That's right. Which are yeah. actually old stories. <laughs> very, very old right. stories. Stories, that's right. And that's actually then what we, then that's what we're offering back. And that's the reciprocation of, of doing your job as, in, in, as an apex predator. I, I love how you said this, like doing my job like, 
like the shark does it in the ocean. It's right. right. Like the bear does it in the in the forest with the salmon. Do your job perfectly. Be of the per like the trees do their jobs perfectly. That's right. They all do their job perfectly. We are the ones who need to learn to do our job perfectly in our own spaces. That's right. And I think that that's the thing. I mean, I mean, literally, you know, we are the last kid on the block. We are learning. Right. We are made a bit of a mess. And that's okay. And mom is very patient. <laughs> she sends a couple of viruses, a couple of storms, and you know, she's just wiggling <laughs> the shoulder, but we already freaked out. Oh, mommy's angry, you know. She's not angry. She's just, you know, shivering a bit and it's like, oh God, what are they doing? Oh well. And you know, as we know, kids need to learn and we are learning. And if we tell the story like this, we stop demonizing as well ourselves because that's the other thing that is happening. Like, oh, we're so bad. Is that right? We're not, we are no bad or good. We are just haven't learned what, what it is to be human. And we are learning that. And hopefully we learn it before we, in the process, mm -hmm. we don't destroy yeah. everything. That's right. That's right. Well, that is just, that's beautifully said. I, I love that so much. Um, so Monica, thank you so much for sharing your science and your stories and your profound experiences with us today. We are so grateful for your time and you. we'll just keep opening, opening our senses and our hearts to the beautiful plants of the world and really listening, really That's listening. Right. That's at the end is the only thing to do. <laughs> And you'll be taught, you'll be given, you know, you ask, what can we do with our plants, our roses? Like They are, you know, they're just waiting. They talk to us all the time, but we're not listening. So it's just a matter of like really fine tuning our own uh, listening system. Yeah. And seeing them for really what they, they truly are and the energy we feel from them. And then we can, we can continue to share their story. That's right. Because as you know, your your podcast is called kindred that's really at the bottom that's what it is it's like we are here we are kings and yep. we are not behaving very well towards our own brothers and sisters right. <laughs> humans and not right. humans so in in the end it's like literally it's learning how to to grow up a little bit and respect this relationship not because we have to but because we want to because we cherish them Mm. Not because someone yeah. said so, but because we love them. Mm. That's right. That's exactly right. We love them. Mm. That is absolutely right. And they are our brothers and sisters. And they and love kids, us so, so much. Yeah. So otherwise yeah. they would have stopped giving us oxygen. You know, yeah. <laughs> like it was easy. <laughs> like, that's it. No more oxygen for you. <laughs> uh, Let's see how you go. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Let's see how you do when, when you can't breathe so well. That's right. Mm. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your time, Monica. Yeah, I, I so appreciate it. And um, hopefully we'll, we can talk to you again someday. Thank you so much. Thank you. And have a good uh, night, I guess. Yeah. <laughs>Hey guys, welcome back to the takeaway uh, from Monica Gagliano. What a, oh gosh, an in-depth, inspiring, unexpected beautiful conversation to have with her 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 knowledge and her empathy and her connecting all ideas together and new ideas she's just such a fantastic speaker and thinker and um you know she really sparked a couple thoughts new thoughts for me um and then what i'll get to in a minute but 
one of my takeaways that I loved was when she was talking about sort of the pros and cons of anthropomorphizing plants and, and animals and how when we do that, the one thing she was saying that it keeps humans at the center of the universe, she was saying, and everything else needs to be measured according to me. Right. And I loved that idea that, you know, she was saying that there's lots of good things about that because it sort of endears us to them. It, it connects us to them. It makes me us think like we're, we're there's what are the things that we are the same about and then we care about them. Um, but that the, the other side of that is that everything then is, is it continuing to revolve around the human? Um, and that's something we do a lot. Um, on this planet as humans. Um, so I sort of love that reminder too. And um, another thing I wanted to talk about, which I really loved her discussion about intelligence in context to plants. And, you know, she was saying how her definition is, you know, intelligence means to choose between. And if you're talking about that in context to plants and, and and animals and anything other than human, when you really think about choosing between, to me, that takes me to uh, a level of uh, an awareness or perception that they have and decision decision making that they have to do. And then they actually ultimately have to do something. So. Right. Right, that they have the ability to discern between things is yeah yeah right, right. yeah uh-huh. like do I grow this way or do yeah. I grow that way and yeah. where is water do my roots grow that way or this way and you know yeah. in in the context of her talking about her that amazing um, experiment she did with the little mimosa plants you know yeah. they were choosing because of an awareness or perception they had of what was happening and what was coming right. and. I just loved that idea and that, you know, we really, and she was talking about how we need to expand our scope of what is, in, if it, of what is intelligent beyond, you know, beyond it in terms of human psychology and how it really made me think that often just moving through the day, driving, walking, you know, around, it, it just sort of like everyone's trying to get through their day right and everyone is trying to in in terms of like plants and animals bugs humans and they're all choosing their way and they have an intelligence and an awareness of themselves right um right because what else can you call it if you can't call it if you don't call it intelligence if they're making these decisions and they're choosing what, what what would it be but we just don't think about it the same thing harking back to what you said prior i think is that when we are always at the center we just think we're the standard the gold standard you know what i mean it also makes me realize that why does our definition of intelligence so um anthro what is it um like human centric um and it right, can, exactly it right. can just be a simple term meaning yeah. to choose between Right. It doesn't have to be that we can build rocket ships or we can we're philosophers or, you know, we we can think about the past, the present and the future. It just means 
the the ability to choose between. I just love how she just offered that in really simple terms. And she said, of course, there's a huge dialogue and and argument ultimately, I think, about what intelligence means in a right. lot of different spaces. But I did, I love that. Um, and kind of in that context too, it made me think about her her talking about our responsibility as humans um, in terms of like apex predators, you know, versus keystone species. And then what I would say is like, I think we are considered hyper keystone species. And then thinking about what an apex predator is and how it operates. And like you and I were just talking about um, earlier that an apex predator is something that manages its ecosystem for good. And it's like the boss of it. it it's one of the, the key players keeping it all in balance, right? Like that's what a shark does in the ocean or, and then versus like a keystone species that is like a wolf in Yellowstone. Um, and then also, you know, an apex predator is often, is usually one I think that can't be eaten, right? They're at the top of the food chain type thing. Um, and so the responsibility that they hold, they do it so perfectly and they do it only for the good of their ecosystem, right? Right. And and they're serving the community rather than trying to make themselves the highest. And I loved how she, she in, in actually in nature, apex predators uh, are the the most important thing is the the well-being of the entire community and that was fascinating too yeah. yeah no it's a really it's it just puts the onus and sort of responsibility back on me to think okay so how am i operating with my in within my ecosystem and often like us as hyper keystone species we have the greatest impact impact on the planet right and a lot of what that means is we're impacting it on a very negative way yeah. um but in that thought of the negativity sort of of our actions on this planet, you had a thought about that and about just how she was saying um, oh, about a different story. Yeah, like she yeah, that that what she was talking talking about that um, the idea of being careful how we speak about the state of things, too. And she said, if we have to be careful that we're not materializing the future that we absolutely don't want, you know, and yeah. that we have to, we have to start telling good stories, she said, and tell a story about thriving instead of um, just always the focus on the, on the things that aren't working well. And um, I just thought it was a, a really interesting, um, a really interesting perspective because, you know, you and I both, studied a lot of eastern philosophy for a long time and just that idea of the, the the power of intention and the power of words and all that uh part of of it is i love that she brings that part into the science too that it's just yeah. not it's not actually she's like it's not woo woo just because it's talking about um intention or emotion and i i love that that it's actually it's actually really important to to remember that that there are that we can create the story that we want kind of right yep yep and it really makes me think about what is mother nature's what is she what is mother nature thinking about 
Yeah. And, and, and that was hilarious too when she said that. <laughs> I don't know. I wrote this down right from uh right from her talking was she said mom meaning mother nature or you know nature mom isn't mad she's just trying to get our attention that's right and, you, know, you might get a, a a stern talking to because you <laughs> need to be set straight but that doesn't mean she doesn't love you and that's that was i love what she was talking about too is yeah we there is a lot of love there and and nature loves us because if they didn't if it didn't love us we wouldn't be breathing anymore <laughs> like they're still offering us everything we need i just thought that was very poetic and um really beautiful just she's just trying to get your attention it's very it's very important to to bring that aspect into these conversations and you know i was thinking about that in terms of when we stuck when we spoke with dr may Berenbaum, the entomologist and just her thoughts and when she was talking about ecosystem services right and what what is the natural world Day, working on a daily basis it's all they do is to make this planet go around and that we get to live here we get to exist in such beauty and enjoyment and um and what and what really thinking then back to to, to monica like what what are plants offering us other than just food or you know, it, it's like then oxygen, then, you know, all of these things. And then what can we offer them? And to the point you were just saying, there's the, there is, I think we've lost the the reciprocal awareness of love in mm -hmm. that conversation. And I think that was probably one of my favorite things that she was saying was that mother nature loves us. Yeah, um, and, and we kind of know it because like when she was talking about when you walk out, through a beautiful forest or you're staring at uh, a lake or the ocean like you feel you feel that and that's that is what that is that is that exact experience we have is we just don't know we haven't really necessarily thought about where it's coming from that's right that's the energetic love coming from the natural world when you go and stand among the sequoia trees when yeah go to the Grand Canyon, when you go anywhere on this just spectacular planet, you feel that resounding, echoing energy. It's not just coming from your awareness of them. It's also yeah. coming from them to us. Right. And that I think so many people have had that experience of just like being moved to tears, being in a place, you know, you just yeah. are overwhelmed with gratitude. All right. Well, thanks again to Monica Gagliano her time for her love for her science for everything that she offers um, a new perspective and a new awareness of how we can better connect to our outside world when literally you're stepping outside the door um so so much appreciation and love for for this conversation and we will see you guys next time lots of love kindred is hosted by me and my sister jen Produced by Kat Gaddy and myself. Sound production and editing by Dan Cooper. Original music by Ellie Grace. And our kindred artwork was created by Lindsay Coffin. Please follow, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And feel free to contact us through our website at kindredpodcast.co, where you can also find links to our socials, Patreon page, and show notes.